Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Do you love to travel? If so, then let me introduce you to today's sponsor, Dream Seller Travel, a Christian-owned and operated travel agency. Check them out on Facebook or online at dreamsellertravel.com. Hey friends, next week we will have a brand new episode for you, so make sure you check back in with us on Monday. But first, we get to listen again to this popular episode, and I think it's coming at the perfect time. Many of us are getting ready for another seasonal change as our children start back to school. But even if that's not your phase right now, anyone can benefit from this refresh. Here is the number one most downloaded episode from all of 2020, Ordering Your Priorities with Kat Lee. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Kat. Yay, I'm happy to be back, Laura. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you join us again. And just in case listeners missed our previous episode, will you catch us up on who you are and what you do? Absolutely. My name is Kat Lee, and I'm over at hellomornings.org, where I have a podcast and a book and an online academy. And I live in what is actually now the thriving metropolis of Waco, Texas. I used to say that, and it was kind of a joke. Now it's for real. And I'm with my husband, and we've been married 21 years. And then we have three kids, uh, 16, 14, and 12. That's an awesome full life, and you definitely have a gift for encouragement. And I love how you explain in your book, Hello Mornings, about this term called a schmoozle. So can you tell listeners what this word means and why it's so fascinating? Absolutely. It comes from my lack of mathematics knowledge. Um, so I, I actually was in a book club with some friends, and we did the Strengths Finders book. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a a personality, uh, it's not really a personality assessment, it's like a strengths assessment. So it's done by the folks at Gallup, and they've done literally millions of surveys around the world. And from all the information that they've gathered, they've determined that there are 34 different strengths that, that any one person can have. And when I did this book club, they brought in a strengths finders coach, and he started sharing this statistic. And I'm normally not awed by statistics, but this one just made my brain explode. So he was telling us how, you know, out of all those different strengths, the odds of anyone, oh, and to clarify, the order of the strengths that you get from the test impact how you use them. So if like connectedness is your top one, and then I don't remember all the different ones, but then if like detail is your next one, you're going to behave differently than the person next to you, even if connectedness is their top one, and then detail is their bottom one, if that makes sense. So the order that they're in impacts things as well. So he, he was saying how, you know, the odds of anybody having the same top five strengths as you is one in 275,000 people. And living in Waco, Texas, that would mean to me that there's nobody in Waco, Texas that has the same top five strengths as I do. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That makes me feel super unique. And then he said the odds of anybody having the same top five strengths in the same order is one in 33.4 million. So there's probably not anybody in Texas that has the same top five strengths in the same order as me. Now, the odds of anybody having all the strengths in the same order as me 
is one in three times 10 to the 38th power. So this is where the word schmoozle comes in because I was like, I don't even know the name for that. So I'm just calling it a schmoozle. I have since learned, I think it's something like undecillion is the name of that number. But I was just like, that. that is such a huge number. One in three times 10 to the 38th power. My brain can't quite wrap itself around how big that was. And so I can be a little bit nerdy. So I went home and I just did a little Googling, a little researching because I'd already established, okay, well, if nobody has the same top five strengths as me in my city or my state, what does this big number represent? And I learned that according to the Population Research Bureau, there have only ever been maybe 100 billion people on planet Earth from the beginning of time until now. That's the general estimate. And then I was researching a little bit more. And according to scientists, they generally believe that the Earth is a little bit past its half-life. Now, when I say that, I just have to put in the qualifier. This isn't a statement on the return of Christ or on creation versus whatever. It's just kind of to numerically demonstrate the size of this number. So if there have ever been 100 billion people on planet Earth and the Earth has passed its half-life, then there's probably not going to be another 100 billion. So probably there's never going to be more than 200 billion people on planet Earth. But just, you know, to throw in for crazy circumstances or whatever, let's say that maybe over the existence of planet Earth, there are maybe one trillion people ever. We're just putting in tons of buffer there. One trillion has 12 zeros in it. A schmoozle has 38 zeros in it. So it's like infinitely more massive. Just the realization that I came to from all these numbers, I know some people are listening, they're like, stop, stop cat, stop with the numbers. My brain is exploding. Ultimately, if I could just bring this down, it's just to say that from the beginning of time until now, and really until the end of time, there never has been and there never will be anyone quite like you. Whatever you're doing right now, whoever you're with, whatever role you have in life, however important or unimportant you feel like you are, however influential or uninfluential you feel like you are, however equipped or unequipped you feel like you are, there has never, ever, and never will be anyone even remotely like you. So that means out of all the people that God ever decided would be on planet Earth, he specifically chose you and the way that you're made for the people in your life and to have a certain impact and imprint on the history of mankind. And we need you. And you might feel like there are other people who are more qualified or more talented or more impressive, but we need you. And no one can take your place because there never has been and never will be anyone like you. And I just, ah, oh, that just fires me up because I, I see so many people going through life feeling unworthy, feeling like they're less than, but really, no, we need you. We need you exactly like you are and exactly whatever your story is, whatever your experiences are. God made you and he put you where he put you to, to live life in a certain way. And it's just my heart to help people own that and to step out and start each day and say, okay, God, you made me like no one else in the world. I have a specific thing to do. I want to follow you. Show me what it is. Help me to live with you today. You articulate that so well. And 
if somebody is inspired, how can a listener take a next step to walk into the unique plans that God has for them or the next role he's designed for them to play and that he's equipped them to fulfill? You know, it's really simple, honestly, just meet with Jesus, connect with him. And, you know, if he made us so specifically and intricately and uniquely, then he is the only one that, you know, needs to impact how we live fundamentally. If we can start our day connected to him and saying, okay, God, you made me, you put me here for a reason. What is it? I want to follow you. I want to live out the story that you've written for me. And if there's any next step that anyone takes, it would just be to spend time with him and start your day with him and then build that habit so that you're increasingly just walking with him throughout the day. And, you know, kind of like the scripture says that we we abide in him uh, so that the words that we speak, the decisions that we make, the things that we do are all filtered through him and for his glory and for the purposes that he made for us. I think that's a great place to start, that it does begin with him. And I'm sure that you've heard this so many times before, but actually you, Kat, are one of the people that God used in my own life to encourage and prompt me to launch the Savvy Sauce with our team, with Natalie and Laura. But it's because you were the host of a podcast that I related to the most, and I witnessed all of the blessings that God even showered just on me due to your obedience to him. And I was so appreciative that you were doing that important work. And then reading your book on page 59, I'll just read something because there was more encouragement from it. We talked about this briefly in our last time together, but on page 59, you said, you'll find a few examples in scripture of anyone waiting until they were perfect to act. In fact, most moved before they were ready before things seemed to make sense. They stepped out in faith. My challenge to you is to step out in faith too. Believe that God can handle your baby steps, that he can turn your fish and loaves into something so much greater than you could ever dream up on your own. So I hope that that's encouraging to somebody else listening today to take the next step in faith for what God has planned for them because they don't know what blessing it will be on the other side for somebody else. Oh, I love that. Yes. And the thing about stepping out in faith is that it's not about what we can do, and it's about what he can do. It's truly a step of faith. So we might not feel qualified. We might not feel like it's something we can do. But as we're abiding in him and we feel that prompt from him and we step out with him, then he's going to equip us to do whatever it is that we're called to do. And there's grace for whatever the results look like and however easy or hard it is, he is with us. It's so fun to hear stories of how it's encouraged other people. Yes. So really, truly, thank you for your obedience. I just want to say to you, well done for taking action on what you felt like God was leading you to do. It's not always easy to do that. And I'm proud of you that you you did, especially starting a podcast that can feel very daunting. (laughs) Yes. So much more work goes into it than you'd think, but it has been so life-giving. And thinking now of your own audience, do you have any stories from them of how somebody applied this encouragement to their own life? You know, it's been neat to see a lot of mothers, honestly, that have just really owned their role so much more and realized that, okay, I'm not, quote unquote, just a mom, but really seeing the value and purpose and what they're doing um, in raising these men and women of the next generation 
um, and realizing that God has this specific purpose and plan for them and for their kids. You know, I've also heard from all kinds of people in different roles, doctors who have actually shared the three-minute morning routine with their patients or radio people sharing it with people. And I just love, honestly, more than anything, I love hearing when people own where they already are. It doesn't have to be going out and trying to be the next person to walk on the moon. It can just be realizing that where I am, however small it might feel, that God has a purpose for me there. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Do you have a bucket list of travel destinations? Or maybe you have a special event coming up, like a big anniversary, a honeymoon, or even just that first trip to Europe. If so, you need to call Dream Seller Travel. Dream Seller Travel is located in central Illinois, but works with clients all across the USA. Whether you're wanting to plan a large family get-together someplace tropical, or take a cruise with your family, or maybe you want to explore the history and culture of a European town, regardless of the trip, Dream Seller Travel is there to assist you with your planning needs. From the customized trip design and the ideas through the small details and the preparations before the trip, and even while traveling, Dream Seller Travel is there with you every step along the way, making it seamless and stress-free. Dream Seller Travel can work with your travel plans as you have laid them out, or they will customize a trip for your requests. In most cases, there's absolutely no service fee for this work. That's worth saying again. In most cases, there is absolutely no service fee for this work. Instead of booking online and being the one to deal with your airline schedule changes or the sudden change in country entry requirements, or the hotel that looks beautiful but is really under construction, call a professional. Let them deal with the problems that arise while traveling so you can just enjoy the trip. Dream Seller Travel has been planning dream trips since 2005 to amazing destinations such as Alaska, Italy, Hawaii, Canada, the Caribbean, United Kingdom, Germany, Switzerland, France, South Africa, Iceland, and more. Where do you dream of going? You can reach out to the Dream Seller Travel at 309-696-5890 or check them out online at dreamsellertravel.com. Thanks for your sponsorship. Let's just go through a few of the other themes that you talk about in your book. So through your journey of establishing your morning routine of God, plan, move that we're referencing, you seem to have started living such a much more intentional and fulfilling life. And we did a deep dive into that three-step morning habit with our previous chat. So I can encourage listeners to go back if you missed that episode. But there's also another purposeful discipline you teach, and that is how to be effective rather than simply being efficient with your time. So will you elaborate on that idea? Yeah, it's easy to get the two confused. I can open up my to-do list and just feel like I'm checking things off all day. But if I'm not actually making any progress towards my goal, then it's kind of pointless. It's kind of like if you're running a marathon and you jog in place for three hours. You're being efficient. You're getting a lot done in a really quick amount of time, but you're not getting anywhere. And I think that's the difference between being effective is knowing your goal 
and moving towards that as opposed to being efficient, which is just getting a bunch done really quickly. So ultimately, I think being effective is just keeping that end goal in mind. And, you know, it can be so, so easy to get distracted. And and honestly, a lot of times as we're trying to get stuff done, you know, throughout the day, stuff on our to-do list, it's easy to gravitate towards the simple things that make us feel like we're getting things done. But if we can keep that end goal in mind, uh, we can be so much more effective instead of just wasting our time being efficient. And do you have any practical steps or questions we can ask ourselves to begin tracking our time? Yeah. So one thing that I do that's really important to me is I have a a personal mission statement. And every morning, or at least most mornings, I open it up. I have an Evernote note where I have my mission statement divided into my faith, my family, and my fitness. And I just kind of read through those different areas and remember what my goal is in each one of those areas. And then I'm just like, okay, how's this going to apply to my day to day? Are the things that I have on my to-do list today, are they actually geared back towards my ultimate goal, my ultimate mission statement? If they're not, then do I actually need to do them? And so just, I think a lot of times questioning the things that come on our plate and filtering them and making sure that we really need to actually do them as opposed to feeling like they're things that we should do. And a lot of times just even asking that question can be really helpful in making us more effective rather than just efficient. And are you comfortable sharing your personal mission statement with us? I am. I need to pull it up real quick because I don't have it memorized. Okay, so my faith statement is, I live each day abiding more and more in God's presence, word, and calling. I pray throughout the day with expectation, and I'm hiding his word in my heart by memorizing scripture. My family one is, I have very strong relationships with Jimmy, my husband, and each of the children, and each relationship is thriving. I have one-on-one conversations with each, and I'm praying constantly and specifically for them and follow up on prayer requests. Then my fitness one is, I am fit, well-nourished, and well-rested, so I'm full of energy for my calling. And then my focus one is, I am prepared for and consistent with my work. I have clear, attainable goals and work with clear focus, and I build on effective habits. Now, I want to clarify after reading after reading all that, I don't do all that. I'm not, you know, every day, it's not perfect. Um, but it's important to me to write those as though I do, because just reading them out loud is sort of an accountability to myself. You know, as I review it each day, I'm because it's written in a statement as though I already do them, it helps me to be like, is this ringing true? Is this authentic? If not, what needs to change? How do I work these things into my life? How am I more effective as a wife or as a mother or as a worker or as a believer or whatever? So I have those written out and they sound maybe kind of specific or really high and mighty, but it's just really just to help me be accountable to who I want to be and not letting myself slack off thinking, oh, that's who I'm going to be someday. But instead, how can I be some level of that today? Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so helpful to have these specific examples. And so can you think back even on a time where a few options came to you and you ran it through that filter of your mission statement and what did you say yes to and what did you say no to? Okay, that's a good question. So honestly, the first one that comes to mind is kind of a fun one. I got invited to go to a movie premiere for a Jennifer Garner film where I forget the name of it. It was something, well, it was something that I 
I don't know if I would have enjoyed the movie anyway, because the main character was, or it was Jennifer Garner, but then her daughter, I think the daughter's name was Anna, which is also my daughter's name. And I think she gets really sick or something in the movie. So I was like, oh, that's going to be, that's going to be emotional. But I got invited to go to that. And it was, I was like, I've never been to like a premiere kind of thing. That sounds fun. And I was going to get to interview Jennifer Garner as well, which I thought would be really fun. But I felt like, what is this really, how does this really tie in with one, my, even just my work? Uh, and I was like, you know what, this is more something that I think is cool than something that I feel like really ties in with the women that I'm ministering to. And then filtering it through my family statement as well. My daughter was, I don't remember if it was her birthday and she was having a summer party, uh, but she was having a bunch of friends over and wanted me to be there. And I was like, you know, that sounds really fun and all, but I really, my 13-year-old my wants me to hang out with her and that's where I want to be. And so having that cool opportunity, it was helpful to me to have this statement to run it through and realize I only want to do that because it's a cool opportunity. I'm not doing it because it's actually who I want to be and it doesn't help me move forward in any of these four areas. Wow, that's a great example. And I'm sure it was not easy to say no to it, but that was your anchor, your mission statement. And that, you know, the mission statement kind of made it easy almost, you know? Mm, that's a good way of saying it. And then what about the flip side? What is something that you agreed to do because it did fit your filter of the mission statement? Well, I was recently asked to speak at a conference here in Waco. It's a writer's conference called the Collab Conference. And while I haven't been doing a ton of speaking stuff lately, because my oldest is a junior, so we have like 18 months left with her before she goes off to college. So I'm wanting to not be away or gone or anything, but really maximize every minute I can with her. Uh, when this opportunity to speak came up, I thought, okay, well, it does tie in with my desire to stay here in Waco so that I can be with my family. And it does tie in with the work that I do and the encouragement that I want to share with people. And the conference was even during school hours. So I was literally not going to miss anything with any of my kids. Um, and so it just fit in perfectly. And I knew it was something that I, I needed to say yes to. I love it. And that I think it, as you share it, it just lets ideas pop in our own heads of how we've filtered ideas before. So I like your system that makes it more predictable. Yeah. And I, you know, I need that because I can be really excited about things or get swayed by fun ideas. And if I don't have this filter, then it's probably my tendency to just say yes to everything. Everything is fun. And then I'm completely, you know, stretched beyond my limits. And that makes me curious. Just a side note. Do you know your Enneagram number? I, I'm actually a one, I think. I've really gone back and forth. So on, on Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP. And I don't know if that naturally translates to be an Enneagram one. But I've studied a lot of them. And I feel like I've landed that I'm an Enneagram one. So I don't know like what wing and all that sort of stuff. But I think that's what I am. But then Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP. So I don't, I'm not sure. Well, and let's just keep covering all of these as well. So you're, what about your strengths finders? Do you remember your top five? Oh, yeah. Um, I am a relator. I am an ideation. I am an activator. Basically, I have ideas and I like people and I like getting stuff done. I don't remember all the words for them. I need to actually write that down somewhere. But it's something like those that sums it up. Oh, and um, 
uh, strategy is one as well. Being strategic, he described it as you want to always kind of keep moving forward. And I just remember this because so when I said that strategic was one of mine, he said, so if you are on your way to taking your kids to school and there's a traffic jam, but it's probably going to get there just as fast, you know, as if you went a back route. What, what would you do? Would you wait in the line or would you go the back route? I'm like, no, I do not want to wait in line. I want to go whatever back route way I can so I can just keep moving forward. And so, yeah, that's how he described being strategic to me, that they're the people who always want to think through how can they keep moving forward. Oh, that's a great example. Thank you to all our patrons who financially support this work. You put a smile on our faces when you sign up to become a patron. Your generosity is both inspiring and encouraging, and we are so grateful. I also want to invite everyone else to join the club, so visit thesavvysauce.com and click on the Patreon tab. Then follow the prompts after clicking Join Patreon here. When you contribute at least $5 a month, you automatically will have access to a bonus library of content. New podcasts are available exclusively to paying patrons every month, and every quarter, you get a new downloadable scripture card designed by Ange at Jars of Grace. So visit thesavvysauce.com and click the Patreon tab today. I love your perspective on the importance of both faith and planning. Do you mind just elaborating on how these seemingly opposite concepts actually fit together? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to share the story that when my kids were younger, one day we went to church like they were babies. My oldest two are 23 months apart. So I'm guessing one was maybe six months and the other one was 29 months. And we're at church and it was actually at a new place in town because we we're having a big conference. So we had to have a bigger venue. And I remember being there and, you know, sitting there in this room with all these people who had flown in from all over the country to be at this conference and looking around at them. And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder where they're from. I wonder what it's like there. I've just been at home changing diapers for the last 29 months. And I leaned over to my husband and I was like, sweetheart, we need to go on vacation. And he said, okay, we're in the middle of church. (laughs) And I said, today. And he looked over and he's like, okay. So we literally went home from church, put our kids down for a nap, packed, woke them up, got in the car and just started driving north because that's kind of the only direction you can go when you live in the middle of Texas. And we ended up in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We were going to go to Nashville, but after six hours in the car with the kids, we were like, Hot Springs is great. (laughs) And, you know, it was a fine vacation. I mean, it was super fun for where we were in that season. But a few years before, after we'd paid off some college loans, we went to visit family in Europe. And we just wanted to maximize every dollar we spent. And we planned it out. And we went to Germany. We went to Paris. We went to Montpellier. We went to Verdun. We just saw all this stuff and got to do all these things um, on a pretty tight budget. And it was amazing and magical and memorable. And when I think about planning, we can go through our lives kind of like, you know, we can go to hot springs for our whole life, which is fine. But if we take the time to plan and think through where we want to go, we can have this incredible European vacation and the cost doesn't have to even be any different. And it's the same thing just with the way that we live our lives. I think God has a plan and a purpose for us. And again, there's nothing wrong with Hot Springs, Arkansas. This is just the example that I have. But if we just take the time to think through, okay, how has God made me? 
what are the things that maybe he wants me to do and spending time with him and spending time in the word and in prayer and, and really thinking through the calling that he has on your life, how much farther we can go. And, and I know that a lot of times we can think that faith and planning are very different, that I just want to walk by faith. And it can be this kind of woo-woo thing that we're just, you know, kind of floating through our life. But I really see it as connecting the dots. A woman might have the dot of she's called to be a missionary. And that's like a, a concrete thing. But then planning comes in and figures out how does she raise her money? Where's she going to live? Um, what kind of furniture does she need in this new country? What language does she need to learn? And so faith is like the dot. And then planning connects the dots. And that's how I like to think that they're related, that, you know, they work hand in hand to help us kind of bring about the big picture of what God created us to do, that they're not like completely different things, but they're opposite sides of the same coin. God speaks calling over us, and that's a dot, or the way he wants us to educate our children, homeschool or public school or private school or whatever, that's a dot. But the way that we flesh that out by researching curriculum or schools or whatever, that's the planning aspect of it. And so really seeing it as walking hand in hand with one another. I remember reading your book and my mouth just dropping like, wow, it really drove it home. I'm going to read just a paragraph of what you say, starting on page 100 with the part about don't sweat the small stuff. And you write, Please note that when I talk about praying over our plans, it's not so much about fretting over whether God wants us to do the laundry today or tomorrow, but rather asking, are the things filling my day the things you want to fill my day? Am I running around trying to make myself feel important and productive like Martha, when maybe what's truly needed is for me to sit a while like Mary? Am I so focused on my own goals like the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan? that I walk right by those beaten and bruised all around me. And I just thought that was so profound. So I love how you illustrated faith and planning working together. You know, I feel like in any situation, the Holy Spirit can trump whatever our goals are. And it might be the exact thing that's needed in that situation. We might be sitting in a meeting with a bunch of people for work or whatever, but the Holy Spirit might prompt us that, hey, you really need to pray for the person, you know, sitting on your left. They just shared a hard thing and you just need to pause the meeting, have everybody gather around them and pray for them. And I think being sensitive to what God is calling us to do in the midst of going about our schedule and in the midst of living out our plans is so important to do. And it's really just the key to all of it, because so often we can get that dot of faith of what he's calling us to do. And then we can kind of just run with our plans, but it really needs to be interwoven that as we're living out our plans towards what he's called us to, that we're bringing you know, him in on every decision in every situation so that we can continually be sensitive to the things that he's calling us to do. And I think it's just such a more exciting way to live life, sensitive mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit's direction and guidance. Absolutely. Will you also teach a simple way to determine our priorities? So what tips would you like to share on this subject? Uh, well, you know, I have a good friend that shared this example of our priorities are kind of like concentric circles. So if you think of a target, like a bullseye, and in the center one is our relationship with God. And then right outside of that is us and our own health and well-being. And then outside of that is our family. And then the one around that is maybe our friends and family. And outside of that one is our calling. And 
as things get out of whack in any one of those, we need to pull in from the outer circles a little bit, give a little bit, we, you know, we can't just quit our job or we can't just eliminate friendships or whatever, but we pull some energy back to focus in to make sure that those core things are being fed and those core things are the most important. So if I feel disconnected from the Lord, then maybe I need to maybe cancel my coffee with a friend so that I can spend some one-on-one time with the Lord. Or if things aren't going well with one of my kids, maybe I need to cancel that work trip and um, spend some time with that child. And so just the idea of, I need to make sure that everything in the center of those concentric circles is strong and feeds the next circle outside of it. And if anything is feeling not right, then maybe I need to pull back because it can be so easy to ha- you know, have something go wrong in one of those circles. And so then, well, I'm not doing great there. So I'm just going to put everything into this other circle and give all my energy there. And then that's doing great. But then this other area of my life is totally anemic. And so I think it's Im- important to kind of remember that that picture. It's been helpful to me anyway, to remember that picture, to make sure that I have a strong foundation, that I'm connected with the Lord, that I'm doing well, that my relationships with my family are doing well, um, relationships with friends are doing well, and then that work and calling and all that are thriving as well. That's a great visual. And it reminds me something that we talk about a lot at home is the simple reminder, first things first. Mm, mm-hmm. There's, a, I guess, a quote that I like when I think through priorities and what's really important because it's so easy a lot of times to think, okay, first things first, but then if we don't really make it a priority, it's easy for things to get askew. So I think it's uh, Laura Vanderkam. She says, a lot of times we think if we don't have time for something, uh, you'll say like, I don't have time to spend time with God in the morning because I just have to run throughout my day or I don't have time to work out every day. And so the question that she challenges people to say is whatever you don't have time for, rephrase that and instead say, instead of I don't have time to work out, say, it's not a priority for me to exercise. And if that doesn't ring true, then maybe it's not true that you don't have time. Maybe you need to make time. And that's something that has been super, super convicting for me because it's so easy to say, well, I don't have time to do X, Y, and Z. But if I rephrase it and I say, that's not a priority, then I think, oh, wait, actually, I need to make time for that thing. So as you think about the concentric circles and keeping first things first, uh, if you want to figure out if you're really being honest with yourself, that's a great question to ask. Wow, that is, that's awesome and so easy to apply. And I also love that you're just such a lifelong learner. So what is something that you've been learning lately that you want to share? I'm a little bit of a geeky lifelong learner. So um, I have been learning a lot. I'm just always learning about habits because I'm fascinated by them. Uh, But I've been learning a lot lately about, I guess what I'll call decision design, about how so many things in our lives, so many of the decisions that we make are actually orchestrated by other people. And we can use those same concepts and psychological understanding to make different choices. So for example, you know, you get on Facebook and instead of scrolling through it and then at the bottom there's a link so that you have to go to the next page of the feed instead of just to automatically scrolls. 
And, you know, that's designed by Facebook so that we just keep going. They created it that way to make so that we would make the decision to just keep scrolling. It's just easy to keep scrolling. Or if you play video games like Bejeweled or whatever game was popular way back in the day, they design it so that initially you do really well when you first start the game and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. I'm like, I could be a professional Bejeweled player because I rock at this. I just hit level you know, 5,000 on my first try. Well, they do that on purpose so that you think you're awesome at it. And then it gets a little less easy each subsequent time. And you think, oh, well, I'm awesome at this. So, you know, clearly something's off. I'm going to keep trying. And that kind of just sucks you into using the game more and more and more. And there's just so many things in our environment, whether it's going to the grocery store and what foods we buy, they put the name brand stuff at eye level because that's the one that we're most likely to see and grab off the shelf. They put the lower priced ones on the bottom or way at the top where they're out of reach. And so a lot of times we'll go to the store or go throughout our day making decisions in response to other people's intention. And so what I've been fascinated by lately is to think through how can I design my own decisions? How can I put my Bible on my nightstand so that when I wake up, oh, there's my Bible. I'm going to read it. Put my workout clothes in the bathroom so that as soon as I get up, I change and I go work out or whatever it is that I want to do. If I put fruit out, like actually recently I made a bunch of baggies of carrots and then a little container with hummus. I made maybe like 10 of them and I put them in the fridge magically, my kids have eaten so much more carrots and hummus because it's easy for them to grab as opposed to grabbing some unhealthy snack. Um, So I've just been fascinated by, you know, what can I do? How can I structure my environment or do things so that it makes it easier for me to make the decisions that I ultimately want to make as I go throughout my day? That's great. And it sounds like it just takes a little bit of forethought Mm -hmm. and then it pays big dividends. Absolutely. Well, Kat, you are such a natural coach, and I feel like this has been an awesome pep talk. And I know that you're all about community and accountability. So where can listeners go to find more resources for further study or connect with you online? Sure, they can go to hellomornings.org, and they can download the first chapter of the Hello Mornings book there. They can get the podcast there. We have a Hello Mornings Academy where I do a lot more deep dive training on habit building and morning routines and all that. So there's a ton of stuff for them to connect with there. Great. Well, we will also link to that in our own show notes and on our resources tab at our website, thesavvysauce.com to make it easy for anybody to follow up and find you. And I have one more question for you today. We are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy means practical knowledge or insight. And so Kat, what is your Savvy Sauce? I think right now it would be setting boundaries for myself, that decision design thing that I was talking about and using that as far as how I use technology. So I can get sucked into Instagram and Facebook just like anybody else. And so I've realized that about myself and I've set up, you know, different barriers. We use the Circle app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Circle by Disney. It, it's just a way for us to set limits on our kids' phones, but then I also have it set up on my phone too. So I have a certain amount of internet time every day. And since I'm in charge of it, I can obviously change those limits. Uh, so then I also use the screen time feature on the Apple iPhone and just, you know, have that second boundary for myself. And then 
I use another app called Forest. It's kind of funny, but it's this cute little app where you, when you open it, you decide how long you want to set a timer for. So basically it's if I want to read my Bible, if I want to do some focused work, you open this app and you say 25 minutes. And then when you click start, it starts growing this cute little tree. If you leave the app or do anything different on your device, it'll kill the tree. And it gives up this little warning that says, are you sure you want to kill the tree? <laughs> and it's so it sounds so silly. And I sound like I need so much help, but I do. And it's just been a great way for me to have these different boundaries and limits on myself because I don't want to get sucked into social media. I don't want to, you know, waste my time on email or on all these different things. And so I've just used all these different little tips and tricks to make sure that I'm spending my time the way I want to and not the way other people want me to. Well, it seems like it's working and that you live a very intentional life. And Kat, you're just so relatable and it's been so fun to spend time with you. So thanks for joining us again for part two. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I really appreciate it. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. 
We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.